If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Black and White Podcast, where life might not be black and white, but we certainly are. I am Katie, and uh, joining us today is one of my absolute favorite people on this planet, who I got to meet through my fiance and through quite a few other friends, and finally meet in person. And if you want me to bleep that out, I I totally can. But she is a licensed therapist. (laughs) Um, She is on TikTok, and I can totally uh, tag the TikTok or not, whichever you would like and you prefer. Um, But... um, She's fantastic and uh, she's amazing. So everybody, please welcome Psych Nerd PhD. Thank you. Hi. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about uh, being a psychologist and TikTok and everything. I'm also excited to hang out with you because it's like, oh, we had such a good time on the wedding weekend, but it was so short and so focused it was so on short. A wedding. Ugh. On a wedding. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, gosh, <laughs> as I plan for a wedding, I'm like, yeah, we don't have to talk about weddings at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure it's not stressful one bit. Uh, no, not one great. bit. Y'all's will be great. It's amazing. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, but we also um, connected over comedy, and you are yeah. in the the improv scene out there in Missouri. Am I right? Yeah, I'm in St. Louis. Uh, I started doing improv while I was uh, living in Memphis and did um, like bar prov with uh, some friends Ooh. and a team there and we had a great time and started doing stand-up but then when I left Memphis to do grad school it was really hard to connect with people long enough to do improv and so I kind of dabbled in stand-up as I wandered around the country collecting degrees and debt and spouses yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then uh, when I landed in St. Louis there's a place here called the improv shop that is kind of spun out of the compass improv tradition and and Chicago and um, started taking long form there and fell in love with the community. And I've been with my team for about four years and we won the citywide competition in 2019. So we are officially the funniest. Um, yeah. That's a Out of all of St. It's Louis. Fun. It's, I think so it's a great awesome. town. People sleep on the Midwest, but St. Louis is rad. Yeah. And it, it's true. I, I have a couple of friends that live out there and um, not just known for their barbecue, guys. Uh, the comedy scene is pretty vibrant out there. Comedy's great. We've got the City Museum, which is a truly bonkers place that you really have to experience to understand. <laughs> um, shoe in, warehouse in what capacity? Uh, well, oh. it's, it's, it's part of it is like it's a functioning like city museum. And so there's a ton of like architecture and like salvage and art. And everything uh, that this madman named Bob Castley thought would be cool to put in a museum, but the 
the main area is it's just this enormous climbable complex with caves and slides and a bus on the roof and a ferris wheel and more slides and secret trap doors and there's no map they won't give you one there's an aquarium um but it's it's legendary i've never been in a place like it it's like what if meow wolf was authentic (laughs) (laughs) and this real real bizarre thing uh, I've never been to okay. Meow Wolf. I'm not throwing shade. I just I've seen pictures. I was just, just going to say, like, you you may have to explain to me what Meow Wolf is. Because <laughs> a, the name is amazing, and I don't I don't know what this is. <laughs> uh, it's it's one of those. It's yeah. I've seen it on TikTok, and I'm kind of obsessed with it. I want to go, but it's it okay. looks like this. It's also kind of this experience that you just have to dive into and just. Uh, but it's very slick and like Instagram worthy and sure, um, sure. And there's like Great for photos. secret areas you get into and uh, and so to me it's like the city museum feels more like a homegrown like we just did this whereas Meow Wolf is like we created it in a lab to put on the internet <laughs> to make sure that hashtags uh, bring you right back to us and exactly uh, right. have good photo ops yeah. Uh, we've got quite a few of those out in LA as well. <laughs> those are pretty popular. Um, so I gotta know. I mean, you're super into comedy, uh, but I, as a fellow like therapy nerd and like very into psychology, uh, like how do you see those two connecting? And like, what brought you to each of those? Oh man, uh, that's a really good question. So uh, drink. So uh, I uh, <laughs> like a lot of mental health professionals not to put the entire profession on blast, uh, grew up in a family that generated questions about <laughs> what the fuck. Everything. <laughs> Everything. <Yeah. laughs> and, uh, and so I think, I think deep down, I don't think I got this. I don't think I figured this out until just a few years ago. Um, I think deep down I went to, went to work to try to figure out how I could heal my family. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so there was a psychologist we had a brief contact with, when we were kids and she was the first person that ever like made me feel like understood. Like, cause I was a mm. ball of energy. Um, not, not what you typically saw in the eighties in Alabama. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> okay. uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, and so then all of a sudden there was this lady trying to work on my family, trying to help us, uh, be healthier and she mm. listened to what I said and was like, yeah, that makes sense. And, and yeah, you're allowed to feel that way. And, um, and I was like, Pfft. and so yeah. it didn't really help us that much. Um, but I never forgot that feeling. And I never forgot that that's a job that you can, that all you do all day long is understand people and, and help them figure right. out what to do. Like, I was like, I want to do that job. And, and so I had a lot of <laughs> hubris, uh, Cause I just assumed you just get to pick your job. Like I'm going to be a psychologist. Like, great. Uh, school. No, thank you. I'm not good at that. I won't go. <laughs> I flunked out of college like a million times. And, and then as I, I faced graduation, one of my professors said, what are you going to do with a bachelor's of psychology? I'm, I'm going to be a psychologist. And they were like, Oh, oh no. About no. that. <laughs> that's, you that's need school. A, yeah. And you have like, your GPA is like, I stayed in college to get my GPA up to a 2.65. Yes. <laughs> like Nice. And so it was, it was really hard as, as you'd expect to get a PhD program yeah. to say yes to me. Um, I was just going to ask, so what oh, was yeah. the process like? 
Oh gosh. So, <laughs> um, so it, there's, there's, okay. I really, so, okay. We're going to come back to comedy. I'm having, I have that on my mental pegboard. Yeah. It's um, been, yeah, it's been, uh, because I want I really want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about this because most people who get into this profession are people like me who are white and, uh, and ladies and my parents, you know, my dad had a PhD. My mom had a bachelor's. It was very expected that I would go to college. And most of the people in this profession overwhelmingly are, are like me. And we don't have mm. a lot of people of color. Like I think less than 5% of the degrees, uh, involved in mental health go to black people. And so I want to tell everybody how to get this job because one thing it's the best job Two thing we we need more people that aren't just yeah. just white people um especially women <laughs> um so there's, there's 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 several routes one you can get a master's degree uh in licensed clinical social work uh licensed professional counseling that's like two or three years those programs are, are not as arduous to get into as phd programs um I was scared to death I wouldn't like therapy or I wouldn't be good at it because I couldn't imagine something more crushing than not being good at, at therapy. And so I loved teaching. And so I really wanted to get a PhD so I could at least teach. Because so I was like, I know I'm good at that. I, if I oh, fall back on being a college professor, which is also ridiculous. Like those are also <laughs> no, really I, hard jobs to get. I totally get that. Because like at, at a certain point, like when when you're kind of discovering like your whole. Because I I was an undergrad psych student, and like I was like, I, I don't think I want to be a therapist because I don't think I can take everybody else's like weight of their lives. Yeah. So like maybe I'll just teach this or something, and then I was like, yeah. nah, I'll just go into comedy instead and just. <laughs> Uh, do that <laughs> i love it i love it and i love it that that was that was also my pivot like if indiana university had not said yes to me my fourth year of applying to 30 something programs then i was going to give up and go to chicago and try to figure out comedy but um so yes you can okay. do a master's degree or you can get a phd or a psyd uh doctorate psychology um psychologies tend to be more clinical hours focused like you get right. like a thousand hours of client contact PhDs tend to be uh, pretty research-based heavy, and that's what I wanted because I really wanted to understand uh, yeah. and have that science basis because I was scared to death of being bad at therapy, of just like not understanding the theoretical basis and just getting in and being like, well, I don't know, maybe crystals will help. I'm throwing shade <laughs> at Meow Wolf and crystals. I'm coming across this really <laughs> negative person. I don't know. No, you're might help. I'm a scientist. I can't rule that out. Uh, anyway um so yeah so from your experience it has not been that it's it's been other methods yeah you're allowed to be like a cbt therapist as opposed to like some other yeah but i also don't want to shit on the ton of therapy other people are doing although i'll be honest if i heard a therapist was doing crystals i would be like come on that's some life coaching shit get your act together There you go. You're like, I've learned more than this. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, so that's, uh, those are the paths. And then if you, if you're going for the PhD, you have to get an internship, uh, which means the APA just dumps you somewhere in the country. And for me, that was Blacksburg, Virginia. And so I worked at Virginia Tech for a year and I really loved working at the counseling center. It's a bunch of good people. It's an interesting place to be. Um, Yeah. But, uh, and then boom, 
Uh, and in college counseling centers is my jam. That's that's where I've been pretty much my whole career. Because I was originally going to be family therapist because that was what I'd started wanting to figure out. But then mm -hmm. I did uh, a friend's dissertation project where I coded like at least a hundred hours of family therapy. And I realized yeah. that teenagers in pain don't express their pain in a way that doesn't make me want to scream with rage. Uh, mm. And <laughs> because there was something just so off-putting about angry, upset, hurt teenagers because they're showing out and they're being rude because that's how their brains work. Yeah. But something in that just really made me on edge. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think this is for me. I think I'd spend, yeah. I think I'd spend too much time trying to control how they're making me feel. I think if I moved up the developmental range just a little bit to where they'd maybe amass some more skills in emotional like regulation and expression, but weren't finished baking yet, that's my sweet spot. <laughs> and so, so college counselor is <laughs> in my jam. Uh, ever okay. Since. Okay. A little, a little post-teen, a little pre-adult um, yeah. mix. Up. Emerging yeah, adult like, is the uh, is gotcha. the is the statistical term or the research. Okay. Oh, but so then how comedy? Uh, yeah. How does that all fit in? So I so I think two things are important. One, uh, humans are hilarious. Like I laugh <laughs> with my clients all the time. I mean, they're just as funny as as anybody you'd meet because they're us. Like it's not like it's not like the, uh, therapy and being right. hilarious are, are mutually exclusive. Um, and so, cause life is hilarious and life everybody's, is hilarious. yeah. 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 And I think, and I think sometimes delivering and sitting, delivering and sitting in tough things, if, if you can be funny sometimes, I think it helps. Um, and I'm, and I will, I, I, I I'm very gentle. I'll be like, I'm about to say something gently sarcastic to you because <laughs> I never want to make a client feel like I'm taking the piss out of them or, or that, right. you know, and so, so it's a very direct out of nowhere. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm like, I'm like, I want to make a joke now. Let's now, how was that? So it's a really funny, weird clinical kind of vibe that I'm saying it out loud. Attention. A joke is coming. <laughs> Which, as we all know, explaining in a joke before telling a joke is the way to tell a joke. That's perfect. That's perfect. If the client doesn't laugh, you say, that was your fault. It's because your mother. <laughs> it was because of your upbringing and uh, yes. all of your past trauma that uh, yes. didn't pan out. Um, it reminds me, so when I was in uh, PT a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, talking to my physician and um, he was like, you know, how's this exercise going for you? And I was like, well, I've never been able to twerk before now, but my ass is definitely shaking, uh, because it was like, <laughs> it was like a lot of like work yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm not allowed to say that, uh, for HR reasons. I was like, I'm a comedian. <laughs> Forgive me. The gluteus Maximus is twerking right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I, I don't think I can even say that. I was like, all right, just let me do it then. <laughs> no, it's fine. I did it. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, it's, cool. it's like that old joke after, after the surgery, we'll be able to twerk. Cause I couldn't before. Because right. uh, couldn't. Uh, yeah. Right. Terrible. No. I mean, I, I I nearly did all those jokes, but instead, I just told I told them after the surgery yesterday. I was like, "Yeah, whoever made that cocktail, really great." My tip to the bartender. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. and the second thing, sorry, I was like, um, good. The second thing, uh, I feel like improv really trains you to stay in the moment and just react mm -hmm. to whatever your scene partners. Like you don't pre-script a lot of stuff. You try to listen with your entire being. And I don't know which one came first for me, but I feel like there's a lot of crossover for that. Cause I started doing therapy and hardcore improv around the same time. Um, same. Right. And I, I think there's, I think because there's an attention to detail with that yeah. and the, and the willingness to go into places of either uncomfortability or just exploration and just being like, I don't know what's going to come out of this conversation, whether in therapy or in improv, but I know I'm going to come out of it. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think that's, that's why comedy is such my jam because it's, it's a version of curiosity that doesn't always vibe with everyone. Like if you're not yeah. willing to just sort of commit to like the uncomfortable emotions, comedy is probably not for you. Yeah. <laughs> and if you think that just like throwing a joke out to be mean is comedy, sorry to tell you, that's yep. not comedy. No, the funniest stuff is the truest stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah. It's, it's the vulnerable. It's the willingness to like, to, to say something that, that everybody can connect with. And if you're just only going for low hanging fruit, mm, it's just not going to be that funny. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's like, okay, work on your type five <laughs> yeah. and we'll yeah. see you later. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah I, there's a lot of overlap. It's like, I'm just trying to be friend at present and get to the truth. Um, did you start out doing long form comedy as a, or long form improv as opposed to short form improv, or did you do the, the normal short to long? Uh, I, uh, that's reassuring that it's the, that's the normal progression. Uh, cause here in St. Louis long form is so much more prevalent. Like, and it's not like there's a schism. It's oh, wild so though. It's, like, it's really rare that people are doing the who's line comedy mm -hmm. sports. Like that happens out in the County, like, uh, where the like touristy suburban bars are um which they're great like and i've got friends that do both but it feels a little like i don't ever get to stretch my short term muscles anymore yeah um but no we were, we did we were doing uh because whose line was really big and um there was like three main teams in memphis and i was on two of them and then the third one was the college kids but there was one that we would do a midnight show first Friday of every month called Freak Engine. It was just like the young kids would come and it was just wild and fun and people would dance and put on shows and it was just really fun. And then there was the bar prov, like we we're called the wise guys. And uh, we actually got booked in like a, a couple of surrounding cities and, and, uh, and we, we were, you know, we had about a show a week there for a couple of years. It was, it was very fun. Like I was like, I'll never replace that. Like there, it was so wonderful working with people I trusted so much. I'll never find that again. And then, and then now I'm doing long form. Some of my best friends here, here in St. Louis. And it's just so special. And tell me like, what, what is your, do you have a format or do you just sort of go yeah. off of a, a premise? Yeah. Tell me, tell me what's your format. Yeah. So we were put together by a, a program that was basically, if you're a graduate of the improv shop, we're going to put you on a team, give you a coat, give you some stage time. Because it was really hard to get stage time at the time. And so they basically just mm -hmm. created shows just to people put people on stage because they wanted to grow the community. Huge community, by the way. Three teams mm -hmm. in Memphis. There's probably hundreds of teams in St. Louis. Like, and, Interesting. And 
just so prolific. I love it. But um, so we got put together. None of us had really met before or not, not, we weren't like friends. And then uh, uh, we, our form has pretty much stayed the same for the four years. We tinker with it a little bit. For the most part though, we open, we ask for a suggestion and we do monologues based on the suggestion. They're true stories from our lives that we try to tell stories that have some kind of heart to them. Like it's not just like, uh, a random day because the truck hilarious yeah. like yeah we yeah. want to tell something about like something meaty because we're going to mine that for the emotional mm-hmm. heartbeat of the show and then also mm-hmm. pull in like details and um and then we just go like um we like how we break it down depends on how many people we have sometimes there'll be two people on stage and we'll just loop characters around them uh, mm. and we used to we used to do like world shifts and then we mm. have a big you know, col- collision thing at the end. The yeah. end. Yeah. But it's, uh, I, it's the deepest comfort. Cause I know mm. no matter what, we're going to take care of each other. Uh, there's four of us, you know, we're, we're all really funny, smart players and we all bring something different that complements everybody really well. And so it's this total feeling of safety at all times. And, and, and sometimes just me on the sidelines, just like, spellbound by what's happening and and then i'll be like oh wait i can be a part of this <laughs> and uh I just, that's I always a good so team lucky. when you when you have so much respect just by watching from the sidelines and from being a part of it um yeah what, what do you feel are like your strengths and things that you bring to the table oh man oh what an <laughs> i know i um, know it is an uncomfortable question and trust me, i hate asking these because usually people ask it back to me and I'm like, oh, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> this <laughs> is for host. you. I love yeah. questions. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think uh, I'm, oh, I'm quick. I'm extremely quick. Uh, I believe that. And that's something I'm really proud of is because people people will be like, wow, you fired that off so fast. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> just draw. Yosemite um, Sam, yeah. <laughs> Rune Tootin. Um, <laughs> terrible, terrible. But uh, I also think I, I pull from a pretty deep well of knowledge, and so I, mm. I'm, I'm capable of some pretty clever references that sometimes bite me in the ass. Sometimes, um, sorry, it'll sometimes bite me in the ass when I'll make a joke that I think is hilarious, and like two people in the back of the room are pissing themselves. Everybody else is confused and a little angry because what the fuck? What uh, <laughs> is that? Yeah, but that, I'm like, incorrigibly satisfied. And so I can be a bit hack. Um, <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting? How I pivoted to talking about flaws. <laughs> interesting. And, yeah, I'm a really good listener. Uh, uh, except for uh, well, there it goes again. There it goes again. I can't. I can't think to be positive about myself without being like, oh, but I also can't remember a character's name to save my damn life. Like, and and it's it's funny because I think we we spend so much time critiquing ourselves and like critiquing like yeah. the process and whatnot. It can be really hard to speak so positively about yourself, um, but um, you're quick, so that's that's one of your positives um yes you may crack a couple of like jokes that to a random few but how i mean i've done a deep cut joke for people that like only like one person has laughed in the audience but i'm like i know that was good to those who get it yeah (laughs) and it's one of my favorites and it's like people may not be laughing but i really am on the inside and i'm just gonna yeah it's like 
you, you, you and me, me pushing back by the sound booth. We are in this moment together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what else? I mean, like, can you can you list a third, but without uh, beating yourself up? Uh, about oh yeah. Oh, I okay. <clears throat> Here I go. Uh, Here you go. My emotional truth is mm. is usually pretty loud when I'm on stage. Ooh, I uh, love that. Yeah, and we've had some scenes uh, where. Cause usually we're just straight up funny, like, but, but sometimes we'll slip into some, some, some emotional depths. Like, uh, um, there's been some scenes where we, we touch on, you know, the inherent loneliness that I think everybody is going to crash into it at one point or another, or, you know, frustrations with, you know, what, what our parents were able to, to give us emotionally. Cause I'm thinking back through scenes that really stand out. Uh, and then there was one where I played this straight up villain that was just yeah. toying with, uh, with, with one of my, one of my uh, teammates. And I don't remember what the relationship was, like who he was to her, but I remember people came up to me after and was like, that was, that was scary. Like that was scary. Like that was legitimately scary. Cause, cause I just, and I remember really settling into the role and being like, Ooh, this feels really good. Um, and I was proud of that. Cause that's not the emotional vibe I usually bring. To, to anything, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's fun to play yeah, with so that. And just be like, I know that's not me. That's just like a, a mm. character I played. But like sometimes it's fun to play that. Like, ooh, what's that yeah. like? Yeah. Um. Uh. What made it scary, at least for the audience? Do you think? Uh, I took my time. Like there, there was because I remember how it felt to like just uh let him squirm like and and not respond right away and not let him off the hook because there would be times where where his character was was trying to kind of reassure himself and i didn't react to it at all either to be like no you are really in trouble or oh yeah no this is this is just for play but i remember like letting it be uncomfortable uh and letting her enjoy it visibly Ooh, interesting. that it was uncomfortable and so i really i really think it was like playing in the silence and uh and just the pacing of the scene i think i think that was what made it so chilling uh, you it was know, fun and it, was one, it stands out like, you don't remember improv like people come up to me like oh yeah we saw you the night you did the russian scene and we're like okay what, <laughs> what are you talking about but that well, i mean because out. usually like usually when you're doing an improv scene like it's so quick you're going from character to character scene to scene yeah. you, i mean i remember someone came up to me and was like i still quote that one thing you said on set i was like i don't know what you're talking it's a huge compliment it, it's fascinating yes. and you're like oh i'm the person that like you quote like that's such a weird thing to think about um yes. but it also a scene that like you've never you never in a million years would remember um but like the times where you actually take those like you live in the silences which is is a hard thing to do but like when done well it's really cool and can yeah. really make an effective scene. Um, and, it was rad. And I don't know, Mark and I talk about this all the time, especially with comedy. It's it's so musical. Like, like there are rhythms mm. and there are paces and there are things, like, you know, like you have your staccatos, you have your long ballads, but like when you play them right, 
it's like just a chorus of comedy and it's so cool yeah. and it and it just kind of and it when it when it happens and it's you're like as an audience member you're like of course that is both surprising and inevitable uh there's there's a group here in town called the 145s that they do musical theater improv like oh yeah that's that's a level of impressive i don't think i could ever reach yeah oh my god i uh i i watched i I watched them and as soon as as soon as it was over i cornered a friend of mine i was like tell me about your form what Mm. do you do like you guys have melodies in your pocket like do, do you practice song skeletons he's like no we just we just know there's yeah. going to be an I want song. There's going to be an intro song. And I'm just like, I can't even conceive of that level of genius. But And and yeah. say, and I'm on the other side there because I, I sing one of their songs in my head all the time. And it's ephemeral and it's gone forever. Like it just existed for that one night. For that moment. Yeah. And that it's that amazing. is one of the, like, you know, I, I will shit on improv all day long just because that's just something that we do in LA sometimes. Oh, we're but huge like dorks. We're huge dorks. Yeah, insane nerds. And um, that was really one of the things that I like grew out of short form, just kind of like abhorring because it felt like you were just doing warm up exercises on stage for a paying audience, which never sat well with me. Uh, but that's, but that's also like, I feel like in these long form things or these different formatted things, you get to see some true genius coming out, especially when it comes to musical improv or when it comes to monologue improv or deriving from like a celebrity guest or something like that you you're telling actual stories and when you can connect it all through this entire thread after an hour-long show and pick up you know beats that you haven't visited for like a half hour it's insane to me and i find it so cool and fascinating um, do you have, apart from uh, local St. Louis uh, shows, like, do you have anybody that, like, you're like, these are the gold standard Oh, man. Improvisers. There's a, there's a team in LA that's called, they call themselves the big team now. They were called White Women Improv. Um, yes. Yeah. I've actually seen a few shows. I Yeah. So funny. They came out here for some comedy festivals that we have, uh, Flyover, and no, yeah, yeah, yeah. every beat is perfect. Every beat is perfect. Uh, I think they're incredible. Jill Bernard, uh, she's out of Minneapolis. She coaches and performs a lot all over. And she's, uh, she and her scene partner, Joe Bill, incredible. They have such an, they have such an, they, they will do um, um, different universe, one, one universe on each side of the stage mm-hmm. and solo improv and just tell, Whoa. tell their own story, tell their own story. And then suddenly the two scenes merge. And even though you know it's going to happen, when it happens, your head just explodes. So they're incredible. Uh, oh, Dessa Risky is a trio. I think they're based in California. There's somebody else that came through during a festival that n- not a single word was wasted. Like the things that you thought they had not caught, they had not picked up on, they picked up on, brought it back seamlessly. Every single thing. Uh, it was just such it invested, like it was just amazing. So those are the top three that I kind of geek out about when they come through town. I'm like, I've got to go. Um, yeah. Cause there's, there's those, those are the people that when I see them, I'm like, I want to quit everything in my life except improv and try <laughs> to get that good. Just do this. Yeah. As a living. Yeah. yeah. 
Do you have any of that within therapy? Like any like styles of therapy that like, you're like, this is the gold standard that I love. Like. I, uh, it's hard. It's hard to stand therapists because it's also private. Uh, Sure. I I mean, I will say, I will say frequently, like, cause you know, every place, every place I've worked, we have case conference where once a week we come together and we, um, we, celebrate wins we talk about our hardest cases we straight up ask for advice we say holy shit i heard something mm-hmm. really hard this week and i just i just need somewhere to put it because we can't go home to our partners and, and just and, like yeah talk it out yeah no that's yeah not how that works which is one of the yeah. other reasons why i was like i could never be a therapist because i talk way too much to mark about mm. everything and i'm like <laughs> For the sake of clients, like that would never be my jam. <laughs> yeah, no. Like I'll, I'll come. Like uh, I'm single now, but uh, but when I was partnered, I would come home and be like, somebody did something extremely brave today, or hmm. um, you know, somebody really turned a corner today, or or wow, I heard some tough things. Like I'll talk about my experience with it, but mm-hmm. that's as close as I'll come to like to like talking about my work outside of of case conference or or like peer supervision or something like that. And, sure. and I, I regularly am in awe of my, my fellow clinicians. Like I've been lucky to work with some extremely fantastic people. Like I haven't worked places where I'm like, Oh, except that, that guy, like don't refer anybody <laughs> to him, which is okay. such, I'm so lucky because I've heard That's some good. stories and There's I'm like, some terrible oh, ones God. Out there, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I feel like, I, I feel like I'm surrounded by people that are just working magic all day every day like yeah hearing hearing the stories we sit with and the things we're working on with our clients and just um how gentle and kind like because i i have talked to other clinicians like nobody i've worked with that that it's like i don't know what's going on if you started out this way or if you're just tired or frustrated or you're having a bad moment but sometimes i'll hear people talk about their clients in a way that the, the frustration seems paramount to a place where i'm like it feels like you've lost your kindness man like yeah and i never have that experience with the people i work with it and and it's and it's no matter how challenging it is no matter how sometimes it is frustrating work and uh but for the most part you know people are showing up and doing their best and they're working on healing serious pain and so even if it is challenging, it's not like they've just decided, you know, screw you. I'm going to make your life difficult. They're, they're doing their best. And yeah. it's our job to scaffold the work around them. And so uh, I, I get frustrated on the rare occasions. I hear some mm-hmm. people kind of losing sight of that and losing their kindness. And so uh, I think that's that's something that I'm constantly grateful for is that my, my colleagues around me, we I trust them all with with all of my people because yeah, I can, I can see that. um, It feels like there's a lot of similarities with the trust and in kindness along with your improvisers that you work with too. Is that maintaining that trusting? Um, And I, I think that's just as valuable in comedy to be able to trust someone as deeply and intimately as it is a fellow colleague that's doing the work and the incredible work that you do too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're, we're, we circle back around to the, the comfort with vulnerability and the ability to speak truth because that's, 
that's essential for, for being able to do improv. Like I have to trust that if I say something vulnerable, if I make a big choice that my team isn't going to be like, well, well that's, I, I'm going to bail. Yeah. Like, and I also, yeah. I have to be able to show up with my whole self at work and be vulnerable. And if I say, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. Like this person's coming to me for help. And I, and I, I just don't know what to do. I have mm-hmm. to be able to trust that, that person is going to validate the difficulty of that case and help me figure out what to do and not be like, Oh, <laughs> do you not know? Uh, I've never got, <laughs> I've never gotten a whiff of that. Oh, look at you, you pitiful thing. You've only been yeah. doing this for like 14 years, <laughs> you know? Oh, are you not perfect at this at all times? <laughs> oh, weird. Cause I totally am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Nah. <laughs> not so much. Uh, another another thing that I, I highly value in therapists and in comedians is like reality checks of just like we're all human, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're all struggling with what what word you're going through day to day. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, well, I was just gonna say I feel like I show up as a, my real self in therapy. Like the the person that my clients meet is is not tremendously different than you, the person you know or the person that people see on stage. You know, not in a character, obviously, but I remember when I was in my, um, was in my doctoral program, uh, which is Indiana University, go Hoosiers, uh, which is not something you're allowed to say in St. Louis. They get weird about that, but, uh, gotcha. I, uh, won't, won't say that when I come visit sometime. Public works thing. Uh, it's a historical footnote. They don't like people from Indiana here. Um, okay. (laughs) Uh, I, could not imagine me this scruffy sweary barely got into a doctoral program giant nerd um (laughs) swears a lot imagine this person would be a therapist and so i had developed this like therapist persona that i was professional and calm and (laughs) didn't swear and like i would like cross my leg a certain way and like sit up oh, you came up also, with a, a therapist character yes and so <laughs> uh because i also thought i had to be a lot more feminine than i am so all kinds of stuff just got mixed up in it so i'd wear these like biz cats like oh not well sometimes but it was usually like a shell and black pants or something because i don't know how fashion works but it, it, well, i don't either trust me <laughs> but uh one day my supervisor like showed me a tape where she had pretty much supercut a bunch of my um, videos together, which is just as great to look at as it sounds. Oh. And, and she's like, as someone who hates watching you- herself on self tape auditions, like I can only imagine. Oh God. Yeah. And plus <laughs> I'm opposite these young 20 uh, something women who know a lot about fashion and look like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm models and I'm that. like how does that feel humperdoo like it was, <laughs> it was already uncomfortable and so uh my supervisor like shows me all these things where I've got my leg locked in and I'm posed and she's like what is that and I'm like <laughs> oh. she can even tell and I'm relieved because I'm like oh I know how, I know the answer to this this is going to be good because I've clearly demonstrated that I know what i have to do in order to be a therapist i'm like well that's my therapist pose uh because because i you know i need to look professional and so i put my leg in like this and i do like this and i do and i'm this and this is i'm ready for therapy and i'm ready to Uh receive and she's like "Uh uh-huh 
<laughs> what do you think that's like for your clients? And I was like, mm. oh, no, I probably look plastic. And I'm like, I said, it probably feels really fake and it's off-putting. And she's just like, yeah. She's like, none of this is you. And then... I can't help but keep bringing this back to comedy because this is the (laughs) same thing for an audience. Like when I realized that like, because I would come to like performances and things and like dress in the way that I thought I was supposed to look like or like this is what an actor wears or whatever. And everyone's like, you're just so uncomfortable to look at. (laughs) And it was just like, just be you. And then once I started being myself on stage, like, a whole new level of performance opened up and when it's like oh yeah like none of this is about me and it like it's just like it's almost like you unlock everything but keep going keep going i want to hear more about what well no i had uh so she gave me that same feedback like that's not you and yeah uh and then like like maybe a few months later i was i was at a sex therapy conference in chicago because that's Mm -hmm. that's my like uh, sub flavor pun perfect because I studied the Kinsey Institute like because I was at IU yeah. and so oh, you sick. get to have cool. a doctoral minor and I was like well clearly I want to learn about sex and Fun. so um, it's the best oh my god it's my favorite thing to talk about and so um, so I was up there for a sex therapy conference in Chicago at Betty Dodson was uh had it was receiving her lifetime achievement award if you're not familiar with betty dodson she was a therapist who would basically like teach women how to masturbate Mm -hmm. and like say you need to be responsible for your own orgasms don't wait for some uh man in particular to give it yeah and so she wrote sex for one she's like this big pioneer in in women's sexuality and so i was really excited to see her talk and she gets up and she's like well, fuck, I don't know what to do with this. And spits in her crystal bowl she's just been given, sits it down and proceeds to just go on this hilarious tear about everything. And I was like, it was like the James, uh, James Brown scene in Blues Brother. It's like, I see the light. Uh, uh, and you're raising I, your hands like you're at a worship. <laughs> yeah, like I went up to her and I was, I was, I actually was just crying. I was like, yeah. I, I didn't understand I could be me and still be respected and she just was like yep and gives me a huge hug and uh and i think that was like my corner turn moment where i started showing up as my real self and like my the branch of therapy that i practice is called um interpersonal process therapy okay um now i use cbt dbt uh act like i have a bunch of tools in my toolkit but the way the lens i look through therapy in is, is called interpersonal and it basically it's the idea that i am a therapeutic instrument and my reactions are important and i show up with my mm. whole self and it's not the kind of therapy where you don't let the client see that you're moved uh or mm. you, you hide your tears it's a very front and center like it's one of the instruments i'm using like uh you're going <laughs> through it with them and you're you're there yeah. along the journey yeah and i share my reactions like when appropriate, like I'm not steering them, but, but they right. hear me say things like, I'm really angry for you right now, or I'm feeling protective of that part of you. And, uh, or, Oh, I'm, my, my heart is hurting right now listening to your story. And so it's, it's me showing up as myself, um, to offer them my reflections and my empathy to help them feel validated and to help them check out like, well, 
if she's having this reaction, I'm going to run that back through because lots of times we're not taught to honor our needs and our pain. And so hearing somebody saying, wow, I'm experiencing pain hearing that story on your behalf, then it's like, whoa, am I, should that hurt? Like, Mm -hmm. should that make me mad? And so it can be a really kind of offering them a corrective emotional experience. Um, Even validating. Yeah. Uh, And, and I think it's even just the, even just the sight of my emotions on my face, I think can be really validating. And then I don't have to say anything. Um, yeah. I had a client tell me once, your face is so loud right now. And that was really well, funny. <laughs> I thought I, just... I was doing a good job of holding my reaction until they finished their story. Because I didn't know which way it was going to go. And I didn't want to be like, well, that son of a bitch, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like, so I was like, hold your face, hold your face, like, wait to see how it goes. Uh, and then they just stopped. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm just really worried about you in this story. And I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm upset. Trying my best. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, it just so happens I gravitated towards a modality that lets me be very transparent and not That's pretend really I know everything and be like, well, I'm just your teacher. It's like, no, I'm in the trenches with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I know this is going to be like a, a, a huge part of the conversation. Um, so talk about it at length or as little as you'd like, but like, how does all of this translate to TikTok? You've started oh this uh, TikTok page and it's blown up to a certain degree. And um, I, one, I love that I didn't know you were on TikTok. Um, two, you popped up in my For You page because oh, I follow wow. like therapy TikTok. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? Um, and, yeah. and then um, I just saw that like you're, you post these really great, really profound. And like you talk about therapy in a way that like is accessible to people who don't feel like they can access therapy. Uh, and so cool. I love that. So how talk to me about that transition and how you got into that. Oh man. So I uh so I came I think I came late to TikTok, right? I only started checking out TikTok in like this summer. And then I realized, yeah. oh, that algorithm is is really on point. Like mm-hmm. and because uh, I'm all of a sudden I'm I've got like costume transition videos and 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 dogs and polar bears and spooky lakes. And like, <laughs> I'm just saturated in all the stuff I want to see. And I started seeing people who, you know, offer therapy advice. Like there's a guy named therapy Jeff that I think has got a fantastic delivery. I've only disagreed with like one or two things he said, everything else. I'm like, perfect, perfect, perfect. And I started thinking like, this could be a way of teaching skills. Cause it's like three minutes is the longest video, little drop in little skill. And I was like, I think, I think this would be great. Cause I teach, I teach some of the same stuff like over and over and over again. Like, like I'd say mm-hmm. I'm pulling this number out of my ass, but like 60 to 70% of my clients, I will mention CBT at least a little, like, even sure. if it's just like, we're pulling the tool, but a lot of them we're doing the full ass, like thought records and stuff. So, yeah. So I was like, I could teach some of this common stuff. Like, and so I'd made a couple and uh and you know didn't really get a lot of traction but that wasn't bad because i'm also terrified of being famous like being famous sounds like the worst possible it sounds awful thing yeah. especially being a woman on the internet like mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. really worried i was like oh no only a few hundred people watched it that's not so bad but then i had one that 
that uh, that's got a, oh, love. like like a, like a half a million views, six hundred thousand views. I haven't looked at it in a minute, but um, yeah. and it was it was communicating something that's really near and dear to my heart, which is the idea that the predictions we make about our future are highly mood dependent, and the memories we can access are highly mood dependent. And so in those moments when you're in hell, it feels like you've always been in hell and you'll always be in hell. And that's where suicidal yep. thoughts can just explode because it's that late night. Why even bother? I feel so stuck and hopeless. Um, and it feels like I've always been stuck and hopeless. And I can't imagine not feeling this way. Like the light is is just unimaginable. Um, and, when you're, and when you're feeling good, it's like, oh, yeah. I read in my journal that I felt really shitty, but I don't remember what that felt like to be on that kitchen floor. And so, mm. so I, I, I basically recorded a little video about that. And I think it really connected with people. And that one, if, if there was any message that I feel like I could only pick one, that would probably be one of the, the one. ones because I feel like that's such a deep suicide fighter. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's the boss at the end of the level for, for every clinician there is, is it's like not everybody struggles with suicide, but people who fall long and hard enough like that's what they're facing and those are the folks we're always trying to figure out how do we reach um but yeah so so it's terrifying it's terrifying and it's exciting and you know i've got a list like people i try to set boundaries because the fear of social media in my field has always been what if people think i'm their therapist and then they they come to think they can rely on me and then when they're really struggling and possibly at risk you're not there, i'm yeah. not there and and then they haven't gotten help somewhere else and then you know uh you know it's a it's a liability issue obviously even more importantly it's a someone could could hurt themselves or worse by depending on me issue so it's really scary like like in the beginning days of the internet nobody in mental health ever the the, the whole conversation was don't get a social media page because someone will message it and you'll miss it and then and then you'll be liable or they'll fall through the cracks and then they'll be hurting and no one will pay attention to them because they're they think they're relying on you and so we've been as a species pretty skeptical but uh so i try to have the boundaries i've got like a pin video that talks about like hey i i can't see you for therapy i can't answer questions directly i got to make this really clear that this is a one way but but i but i i love your comments i love questions and so i have a list of questions uh and a bunch of them have come from comments i'm just trying to work my way through so some of it still just that like you have like pinned on your page so that uh, you're like, okay, if you have this question, go to this. Uh, oh, no, I, I, uh, I have, I have some, um, um, playlists. Like I've got anxiety, yes, CBT, yeah. like stuff like that. Um, yeah. And some of it is just, just a lot of people. And so I try to like all the comments to like, be like, I'm with you. I see you. Cause some some people yeah, come like yeah because some people come with some really vulnerable like I'm struggling with this or this is really hard can you talk about this and they'll they'll talk about some really just genuine stuff and I can't go through and reply to everybody and answer questions directly like both because it would be so much time and also because I feel like that would that's a boundary that I feel like is important to keep myself out of that it, uh giving them the impression we have a one-on-one relationship because a lot of people talk about they're struggling to find a therapist they connect with and they want to come see me in in a private practice and so my my day job is college counseling center i do have a tiny tiny private practice that i do online but i it doesn't 
feel ethical to use my TikTok when I, my whole jam right. is I'm giving you these skills for free. It doesn't feel right. ethical to be like also, or you could, you know, pay me. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. Right. It's already for the, for the full hour video as a verse, verse to like a, a minute long thing. Yeah. I, yeah. It's got, it's got to be so, I mean, I even remember when I first reached out to you about doing this podcast, I know it was such a, <laughs> a, a and it, it made sense. And yeah. like, it, that's the thing with this podcast. Like there is no pressure on anyone to either come on or not come on or, or whatnot. Um, I just love having conversations with people and yeah. you're such a wonderful friend of my like now family that Ooh. it's just and there's just like so much that we connect on comedy wise and all of that and and your literal tiktok if you don't mind me saying is um oh, it's psych nerd phd and yeah. i was like i love that i was like i don't have a phd but like it's just like a total i mean marie and i talk about therapy all the time and how like it's affected our lives and how impressive it can be in just day-to-day -day stuff and how helpful it can be in normal conversations or ridiculous conversations. It's just yeah. one of those things that's like, I'm so glad we're in the generation that's able to talk about these different things yeah. and openly talk about it. But with that comes some caveats, as you're saying, and like in having to create certain boundaries, um, especially on social media and, mm -hmm. um, I love that you provide this TikTok because it's something that I think a lot of people find very useful. And, um, I, and I think it, it's, you're creating such wonderful messages, I, but I, I also see the other side that like, man, it's gotta be tough not to want to just be like, I want to hold all your hands and not walk you all person. through this. That's yeah. What, yeah. Cause that's what you got you into this profession to begin with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I realized I went <laughs> negative again. And so I want to talk no, about the positive. No, 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 no. Uh, no, it's yeah. like negative, positive, it's not even black and white. It doesn't matter. No, it's it's all it's, part of the intricacies. It's very exciting because being a psychologist is. It feels sometimes like I've got, I've got the code book to the universe in my back pocket. <laughs> like I got the game genie codes, oh. and I'm standing on the corner <laughs> being like, "Hey, hey, come here, plug this in. Hey, practice this. Hey, if you do this." Your life could be really You're different. the Nintendo Help Hotline. Yes. I'm, I'm the guy <laughs> telling you how to get through the last stage of Kid Icarus. Like, and, yes. uh, and I'll never reach everybody. And the stigma is so vast. And the, in, and the money and insurance and perseverance it takes to connect with a clinician is so inaccessible. And I, earlier, you know, I, I complained about the lack of diversity in my field. People who have been... Mm -hmm hurt by intergenerational trauma and racism are not maybe gonna trust someone who looks like me not to say mm, are you sure that was racist like and right. so and so being able to just offer this passive thing that breaks down all the barriers it's it's worth the discomfort it's worth the the worry about like will the internet trolls find me it's because i mean there's there's like 40 40,000 like people that follow me, which is, which is bigger than my freaking hometown. And, um, <laughs> and it's, it just feels so great to be able to like disseminate this just for free. And, and I try to really, it's, it, the boundary is important. Like I'm only doing skills that I feel like people can practice on their own without 
because I mean, trauma skills are not something I can teach on TikTok. Like if, if you're TikTok. doing trauma, you need to be able to have somebody helping you through that. Yeah. And so that's an aspect of therapy. I just don't feel like I can touch, but anxiety, hell yeah. Depression, book recommendations, um, little bits of research that I just learned that I think are important to like plug in. Um, that's my jam all day long. Like it's just so, it's just the coolest topic and it's such a life changing body of material that I feel like I can offer. And, uh, you know, in my practice, I'll see about five people a day and Mm -hmm. some, some days all five of those people will take huge step forwards and heal things and learn things and figure things out and come back and be like, I, I ended this relationship or I, I did this risky thing or reached out to this person or I apologized or I healed this or I had this epiphany and it's like all day long. I'm, I'm making the make it rain motion on a podcast which is always <laughs> yes. to do things that the audience can't see. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Making it rain with progress. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. I love that. Changing, I'm changing all my social media presence. It's going to be all around that. Yeah, <laughs> to make it a ring with progress. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's, it's, it's such a wonderful outlet to be able to offer to people. And really and truly, like, there's been a couple of people that have said, I was laughing at you before we got on the call. Like, <laughs> yep. This I is my favorite. Gonna... I'm so glad you're talking about this. <laughs> like, I, like one person, like, you know, sometimes my tits are out, sometimes they're not. I don't. I mean, I, my I have big boobs, <laughs> so so sometimes you can see cleavage in the videos. Sometimes you can't. And there was one video which was like, uh, you know, kind of cleavagey. I didn't really think about it at the time. Tits me. Yeah, and like somebody had said, it's a shame you feel like you have to sh- show your body to get your message across. And I was like, that is an interesting. No, thing to what? About you. <laughs> about how you respond to women trying to teach you things but that's not my shit but that one was my that one was my favorite until today today i presented something about the yerkes dodson curve which is basically it plots a bell curve of um uh, arousal across the x-axis you know like stress not like sexy times and and then like performance on the y-axis like work not like sexy times and then uh and then there's a bell curve (laughs) to where if it's like if it's really poorly um, aroused, like you don't give a shit, your, your performance is going to be terrible. And if you're over aroused, you're paralyzed with anxiety, you're shut down, your performance is going to be terrible. So there's a sweet spot. I'm a little bit anxious. I'm a little bit stressed, but I'm not overwhelmed. So I talk about that all day long at a college counseling center. I'm sure you can imagine why, like students oh, yeah. can be yeah. so overwhelmed and it's like, you got to just find a way to back yourself down the curve a little bit. Let's talk about how to do that. But, um, and I've been meaning to make this video for like the whole time and so I finally made the video because I'm learning how to do little effects with the green screen hand and stuff like that which I'm laughing at myself the whole time because it looks so stupid but I but it's stupid yeah and um and somebody just posted you couldn't be more wrong and I was like, <laughs> like all of this research, all of this study, yeah. all of this time that you spent just trying to get this message across. And, and, and it's, and it's always, it's always user nine, eight, five, seven, seven. six, four, three, yeah. two, nine, whatever, you know, yeah. like, like so, someone you're like, are you a bot? You're a bot. Are you? Yeah. It's like Dwight Schrute has entered the chat. False. Chat. Like, I just False. offered you. <laughs> 
like literally i'm standing on the shoulders of research giants like uh no i mean I just... and, and, and 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 to that effect too that's also the only comment you're going to be thinking about from that video which is like you're you're changing so many different lives and like you're like bringing all this knowledge to so many different people but the one comment that's like you couldn't be more wrong it's like what the fuck is that about yeah it's just i mean I can imagine those videos can be frustrating for people who feel really stuck. Uh, yeah. Because all of those skills require practice and and yeah. very few of them are going to work right out the box. And so sometimes I wonder, and they're they're rare for the most part, people are extremely kind and ask great questions and and, and say thank you and very, ugh, it's overwhelming. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, but I have to, yeah. but sometimes I, I hear the frustration of like, I've tried that and it hasn't worked. And I'm not going right. to wait under the chat and be like, well, how long have you tried it? Because. Right. Yeah. Let me, let me shitty. just pick through all the details. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, it, it, but I get it. It's, I it's think that's where your boundaries probably yeah. come into effect. But yeah. Because I hear it with my, you. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just saying, I hear it in, in my, in, in therapy. Like it's very uncomfortable to try something new. And a lot of these skills you really have to sit radical acceptance fuck every bit of that like no thank you that feels too close to approval i don't want to accept that this is hard i want to sit here and say it's not fair and wait for it to change like um and then right. you come and sit in my office and i'm like it sounds like you're really pushing away this reality and i'm like no i'm waiting on this reality to change that's different uh and i know how that feels like i show up to my therapy sessions and i'm like i want you to tell me how my life can be different can get like better. immediately and it's like yeah sounds like hope is is kind of out of reach and i'm like shut up shit tell me how <laughs> to change my life no my therapy I, I i occasionally will make references to my clients well your grand therapist says because uh i want to give her credit <laughs> stuff I've learned from her because she's amazing I love that you grand therapist is such a great <laughs> way to phrase that because you do you do hope that like you know your therapist has their own therapist to talk oh. some of these things through and grand therapist is such a beautiful word for it <laughs> yeah, she's amazing so much yeah because I feel like you know you've alluded a couple of times to to the you know the weight of this work and I feel like for the yeah. most part the training I received in grad school and the support I get from my colleagues really helps um, yeah, cause it's a lot like it's, you know, uh, I, I did disability assessments on the weekends for a little while just for extra money. Oh, wow. And, uh, and you know, for the most part I've worked in college counseling centers. So that means I've got a natural kind of floor. My clients have to be at least functioning well enough to have gotten into college, but then working mm-hmm. disability assessments, it was the opposite. It was people that were in mm-hmm. so much pain that they were able to participate in society and had to take the step of asking, you got to help me. I just, I, I can't come back. And I heard, yeah. I heard some of the most just traumatic, tragic, awful, just a complete failure of their family unit of the country as a whole to keep this precious mm-hmm. life safe. And I couldn't do it. Like after a few months, mm. I had I had to I had to stop. I had to find another way to to make a victim extra money I needed. 
because um, it was just too overwhelming. And so I think a lot about yeah. community mental health workers who hear stories like that all day, every day, and they're in the field for years. And right. those are the folks that I hold in my heart because, I mean, you know, my job is 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 intense and stressful and my client's pain is, is real and genuine and I help them carry it. But the, the just the devastation that I heard from folks who were struggling with disability. Uh, yeah. And then just let me catch someone talking about how people just don't want to work. Oh God, no, I know. <laughs> Trust me. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially with this whole leg situation and whatnot, and like just seeing the different sides of the American Disabilities Act and how either played out or not played out, it has been like, literally, so I had my surgery yesterday um, and uh, <laughs> I was supposed to be there at 5.30 in the morning. Mark drove me and they told me not to bring Mark with me into the facility because of COVID compliance stuff and yeah. whatnot, which fine. But Mark was like, no, I'm going to see you all the way up because mm-hmm. they also told me not to bring my crutches. And he's, you know, he's a protective guy. Mm-hmm. So on our way up, um, the elevator breaks down. <laughs> oh, I saw his status about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to knee surgery and the elevator breaks down. <laughs> and I was like, you've got to be kidding me right now. Like, what? what do we even do? Like I, and I, we had to wait. We, we had to do the like elevator phone thing and call. Um, I had to call the surgeon's office, which wasn't open at the time because it was five thirty in the morning. And like, I'm supposed to be there, but I'm supposed to be there in their surgery ward. And like, no one is there to take calls or anything like that. So I'm getting like transferred all over the place. I finally get an operator and they're like, no one's picking up because there's, no one here yet um i was like can you just at least tell them that i'm here i'm just a floor away because i'm stuck in this elevator and they're like we're gonna try our best um and um uh, she's like maybe you should call 911 i was like i'm literally like at the hospital like i feel like there should be a little bit more <laughs> get up and go within this whole system to begin with um and i am so glad that like mark was there but like i Oh I didn't have God, crutches yeah. And, and yeah, you know, and um, we were there for like 50 minutes waiting for the elevator guide to get there. This guy had never been to this building before. Um, so he was asking us where to go. Um, and then finally we hear him like clanging on the floor above us. And he was like, are you guys in there? And we're like, yes, we're here. We're here. And um he's like, oh, wow, you guys are really stuck, huh? And we're like, okay, not not helpful. helpful whatsoever Mm-mm. and so he's like okay i'm gonna get this figured out and like the elevator like kachunkas like at a certain point and i was just like oh my god this is right before my surgery so help me if this goes worse <laughs> like you've got to be kidding me um and then finally like it gets leveled out and the doors open and it opens to the floor below where i'm supposed to go and and he was like, okay, well, you guys are out. All right. Uh, thanks so much. Glad I could help. And I don't know what the dude does, but like, we're just on the third floor. I'm supposed to be on the fourth. And I was like, I'm not going back in the elevator to take it up one flight. So like, now I have to climb the stairs <laughs> to go to surgery. Oh my God. <laughs> my and I was, and like, this is not the first time an elevator has broken down during this entire like 
me process and I was like this, I know this is temporary I know that this yeah. is just a momentary experience for myself but I also know that like so many people are stuck in this system of just like things are not working and then they're also on top of it being called lazy mm -hmm. or ineffective to society mm -hmm. and it just gets my rage going <laughs> and and mark you know being like the amazing human being that he is helps me walk up the one flight of steps mm -hmm. um and like there's signs everywhere that's like no visitors allowed don't let anybody in and he's just like screw it and he comes and he just sits with me because he's like i don't give a fuck we just sat in an elevator for an hour and no one acknowledged that we even existed yeah um, yeah did he at any time try to open the access panel in the ceiling of the elevator he did. We tried to do a little uh, Die Hardy type of situation. <laughs> like we even uh, we posted on Instagram stupid stories. Um, like we were both we both quoted, um, "Come out to the coast, have a few laughs." Uh, <laughs> excellent, excellent power couple. Yep, uh, yep. Uh, tried to do like the Spider Man, like trying to get up and through uh, the ship, but like it was just it was just like lighting panels. Like there was no access to the. Dang. Didn't pry anything open. Uh, we rang the little bell. Like we heard people on the, the surgery ward, but like, and we were even like, "Hey, can anyone hear us? Can anyone?" Nothing. Like no oh, one. And oh. like, I finally go in, and I was like, "Yeah, um, I'm the one that was supposed to be here like an hour ago. Um, I was stuck in your elevator." And they're like, "Okay, we'll fill out this paperwork." Like didn't acknowledge it whatsoever and it wasn't until I would, like had an IV hooked up to me that the nurse was like so I heard that you had uh quite the morning and I was like yeah what the hell with that elevator and she's like it happens all the time I was like what <laughs> this is not encouraging yeah. well I've got like shit in my veins <laughs> that was she's my like, next question did the did the elevator repair person just get you out and then go on their way like it I don't know. Like there was I, I mean, an extended... I, you know, by by the time I was like ready to go, like I was already like under the influence of whatever medications they were putting me on. So like, the, all I know is that the elevator worked for the wheelchair that they put me on on my way out um, mm. and going down. So at least there was that. Um, and I'm gonna have to send you uh, the video that Mark took right after. It's a little david after the dentist um perfect, perfect. <laughs> it's kind of hysterical um but yeah um yeah I, but this is like this is a normal thing and it's just it's i can only imagine what it's like to have to go through those cases and be like no this person doesn't you know deserve disability oh. or whatever like i just i can't imagine yeah i had <laughs> i had a um a physician tons of incredible trauma just yeah. tons and often mm. did not seem to be really noticed. Like mm. it, it was just like, Oh, this person wants a disability. Sure. They've, they've had this horrific trauma throughout their life, but they can walk. Right. Like they Jeez. can lift, they can oh, lift 40 pounds. Right. And so there was, there was one, there was one M I think he was an MD. I don't remember. He had another, and he had another advanced degree. Like he was a psychologist or a psychiatrist or MD or something. And he basically, mm -hmm called and was like questioning one of my conclusions and and i remember just being like this feels so shitty to walk away from yeah. because i'm not gonna be bullied by this guy i don't care like i'm not gonna change yeah. my report like if he wants to 
spend more state money to try to get somebody else to assess this person. He's welcome to do it, but this this is my this is my response. And yeah. uh, and then it's like it felt so shitty walking away because it's like I had people over and over again tell me like no one has ever treated me this way before because they treated them Ugh. just like I would a client in a practice with kindness and you know we right. went there to do therapy, but I was also no. going to give them a clinical interview and. And over and over again, I heard no one, no one has treated me this way. Like usually these conversations are pretty harsh. And so, ugh, yeah, it still makes me not feel great that I couldn't, I couldn't hang. Uh, Cause I don't want to be, I don't want to be shitty at the people doing that work because who knows if they were like me in the beginning and then. I mean, and that's, that that's the unfortunate off. part. Yeah. They probably had to shut that part of themselves off and create their own mental boundary to yeah. not burn out as quickly but that's how shitty that system is and how yeah. it continually yeah. affects people um yeah i'm, I'm really fun it, at parties it sucks that they need more people like you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you talk to me you talk to me longer than about 45 minutes we will end up in the place where we acknowledge that the system is absolutely fucking broken and yeah. always has been uh because yeah the yeah. idea that uh you know, one of the, one of the, one of the early videos, I said something about, you know, therapy should be free. Like, cause that's something I say mm-hmm. in a lot of my videos, therapy should be free. Mental health care is a human right. And that one mm-hmm. has been the one that, that those sentences have been the ones that attract the most nasty attention is people either just oh tell me God. that that's wrong or they're like, Oh, are you just going to work for free? Like, that's not the point of the system is broken. Mm-hmm. Like, I, th- I think I should, I think I should be pretty well off. Like I work hard. I've, I've starved for a big chunk of my life being a student to accumulate this knowledge. Like I'm not looking for yeah. a castle, but I, I think I should do okay. Um, if I'm looking for some stability, but I think yeah. I, others deserve that as well. Yeah. But on but, a mental plane. Yeah. But I don't think it should be mutually exclusive that I should, I should be you know doing okay financially and that everybody should get what I do. Um, yeah. And I get fired up about that because I mean, think about, all of the ills that our our country could heal within 10 or 20 years if we start paying people to go to school to do what I do in a large scale and start reopening you know local mental health state clinics where it's like yeah we need we need to be able to provide for people's mental health because crime's not going to go away you know mm-hmm. i mean uh anyway sorry i get i get yeah. really really upset because again, it feels like I've got the code book in my pocket and, and all of us do. And we're all screaming this and there's, we are. You know, there's no money in it. We'd rather have better help. Yeah. Well, and it, 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 it sucks, but I think it's these kinds of conversations that need to continue to happen because I think you're not alone in those feelings. And, oh, uh, the more, you know, and the, the more that we talk about it, I think the more change we'll be able to see, the more we talk through, how it is affecting so many different people in so many different varieties of life. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's my ticket to have you back on again for another yeah. podcast yeah, in the future. Comedy, yeah. uh, rage, uh, therapy. And- <laughs> Those are my favorite things. Dude, I know, I know. And I'm, I'm so bummed that Marie couldn't join us this week, but um, we'll have you back on when she's she's back in with us. Yeah. But is there anything um, that you're looking forward to this week? Anything that you're excited about? 
Uh, well, I leave uh, tomorrow. I was going to leave Thursday, but the blizzard is coming, and so I leave tomorrow instead, which means I'm missing out on some fun parties, which I'm trying to be a grown-up about. And... Yeah, I get it. I'm headed to uh, I'm headed to Alabama uh, to at Carrie's place. We're gonna uh, one of the other wedding guests you met. Uh, yes. That's that's yes, my yes, yes. that's my friend family Christmas. Her parents have me over for Christmas and gently give me a hard time about not moving back to Alabama because why am I not <laughs> doing that? Uh, and sure, so sure. I'll be traveling with my dogs for the first time. Uh, two big old puppies yeah and so i'm i think it'll go well i'm i'm a bit nervous okay but we'll see but yeah i'm really are you excited. giving them any like sleeping pills or anything like that uh, or i'm gonna give max max i have two rhodesian ridgebacks for those of you who are not you and can't see that they're on either side of me right now <laughs> um, they're huge. if you've been hearing any version of snoring throughout this podcast it has been the dogs it uh, hasn't been just me out some random on tiktok uh, Did they really? <laughs> I, I filmed a video with Max snoring in my lap because, you know, I don't know how this stuff works. I just talk into my phone for three minutes and then if I don't mess up, I put it on the internet. Like, uh, I but, get it. Uh, I know the feeling. <laughs> and so, and so somebody, uh, somebody said, hey, this is, this is out of topic or this is out of the blue or something like that. But is there a, is there a dog nearby? Is there a big dog? And I'm like, yeah. That's like, that's, that's and every <laughs> once in a while, like, you'll hear me talk to him because he'll like stomp up during a video. Uh, and now I have two dogs Aww. again, but um, Max is a little bit reactive and he will be meeting mm. Carrie's dogs. So I'll probably give him a, a chill out pill to kind of help him okay. be his best self. Um, okay. Yeah. No, I'm really excited. How about you? What's, y'all, what's y'all's holiday like besides hopefully not walking much at all? Yeah, uh, no, I I do have to get up and move a bit, which is the worst pain of my life so far. Uh, but... It's all right. Um, I've got a certain amount of prescribed medication that has been helping me through and uh, being very careful around it while also yeah. having Mark be like, but take it because yeah. you need it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, but it you feels don't need so strange. You know, overrated anyway. I mean, that's the thing, right? I'm like, okay, I think I need to add more chia seeds to my white <laughs> lasagna. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um but yeah no uh just going to the bathroom is hell on earth um i know but it's you know bit by bit um luckily i have a very strong man to help me out um and oh yeah did you guys get a roommate (laughs) (laughs) i cannot wait to tell him got him (laughs) 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 did you guys get a Oh, that was so good. That tickled me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But he has been wonderful. Um, One of the things that's been kind of a a struggle is... um, is like needing the pain pills, but like Mm. trying not to want the pain pills. Mm -hmm. But um, I like... So last night at three o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I was like, oh, some of the stuff, the nerve blocker that I had has been wearing off maybe I should take a pain pill. And then I was like, no, I can probably sleep through the morning. Woke up at six. That was the wrong decision. Um, and I took it. No, uh, um, took it too late. Uh, finally ended up getting it. And, but it was, yeah, absolutely. Post-surgery. I, I need to not be afraid that I'm going to become some random addict. <laughs> so yeah, I had to have uh, surgery in, in 2020, uh, mm. tw- twice. And, and I had the same kind of like, 
I would like to not use my pain medication, please. But then it, yeah. But then wearing it off was was instructive. And yeah, uh, and yeah, yeah I, I was like, okay, well, I I will I will wean myself when this pain isn't so high. Uh, and so exactly. I hope you have a similar experience. I guess ooh, that sounds just so awful. I yeah, I think I learned a very tough lesson this morning. Um, so, <laughs> which is uh, take what was prescribed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And trust in those around you to reflect uh, what what you are and what you're not. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. So looking forward to a little bit more mobility. Um, and that's pretty much what we got going for us this week. Yeah, you but, need that mobility. You got a wedding dance floor to slay in a few months. You know what? And it's going to probably be a lot more of the um, shoulder motions. And... Breaking it down behind you. He is. He's, he's doing his own version of the twerk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again so, so much for joining us here on the podcast. And please, everyone, remember that the universe is absolute chaos. So please be kind. We'll see you next week. Bye. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.